One of the scariest decisions Mark Wright, founder of Climb Online, says he made across his whole career was the first one, leaving that full-time job to go it alone in business. Then followed that sense of pride of surviving the first year. Stepping stones lead to milestones, like winning the TV show The Apprentice, to being the fastest growing digital marketing agency of its size during lockdown. We talk today about having a strong digital presence, especially in today's COVID world. We look at the attributes of the brands that have excelled during lockdown and why it's so important to schedule time out from work. Thank you for having me. I hear uh, word on the street is I'm your 105th guest <laughs> and I'm so excited to be here as your 105th choice and I can't wait. Lucky Lord Sugar thought I was best out of the 75,000 people that tried out for The Apprentice uh, than you did here for my for your podcast, but it's a pleasure to be here and thank you so much for inviting me along. You've now pinned me down to making sure you are the 105th episode. <laughs> You see, I mean, never careful what you tell me. Uh, you know what I say. I just, I have a, a great memory. Uh, um, well, listen, let's let's uh, talk about that memory because we want to uh, catch up with what's been happening with you over the last five or six years. Um, you know, from winning the Apprentice to launching a hugely successful digital marketing agency. You know, give us a snapshot of what's been happening. You know, in between, like what happened from the win to where you are today? Well, I mean, to summarise what's happened since I won that TV show to today is just a crazy experience. It honestly feels like I've blinked and all of this crazy stuff has happened. I remember when Lord Sugar um, told me I'd won the show and he said, your life is never going to be the same. And I really thought at the time, I think that's just like a game show thing that he's meant to say. Um but it really has changed in pretty much every way uh, in terms of my profile, my business success financially. Um, the opportunity from the show was just a springboard into kind of business success. And, you know, I walk in my own businesses now and I see, you know, just the number of employees and the work that we're producing and the clients we work with. And it's honestly like I have an out-of-body experience and it's like I'm living someone else's life. You know, Entrepreneurs often get this like um, uh, imposter syndrome where you think, I don't deserve this. This isn't for me. How did this happen to me? But it's crazy when it does. And, uh, and it has happened for me. And I'm so grateful to see, you know, the success of my business. As you mentioned, Climb Online is now one of the biggest digital marketing agencies in the UK. Um, we've got clients like uh, TikTok and Made.com and names that you would have heard of right down to small dentists and, you know, these sorts of small hotels and these things. And it's just the range of businesses we get to work with and do marketing for. So exciting. Um, but the best thing I love is the challenge of scaling a business. You know, I was speaking to a friend last night and I said, as an entrepreneur, he asked me, he's just started his business if it ever gets easier if there's any days where there's less challenges and I said I'm sorry to tell you the answer is no there's the same amount of challenges every single day but the challenges change um, as you go along the journey and right now where I'm in that my challenge is scaling how do I go from where I am to 100 million pounds and I'm finding out through through trying how you do and don't do that and it's, it's fascinating but I've been really lucky to have a great mentor in Lord Sugar 
I've got some great friends around me that keep me grounded and make sure that I don't think I was ever famous. Um, and uh, I'm enjoying the journey and I'm addicted to business. I'm addicted to being an entrepreneur. And hopefully today we can, I can give you some advice that I've learnt um, to help steer your listeners away from the mistakes to get their journey going quicker and, and be even more successful. Yeah. I think uh, we talk often about it on the show here about being a roller coaster, but it's just yeah. that the you know the highs get higher and the lows get lower, but they get maybe a little bit f- further apart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, neither uh, you or I are uh, local, um, so I wanted to uh, just go back to Mark Wright pre-apprentice era. Um, like, what were you doing, and how did you end up in the UK? Very handsome man uh, when I was a young boy. And before I start, I've got what I call now business belly, which is when you work as many hours as I work. Now, unfortunately, the gym has not been on the top priorities, which it needs to certainly get back on there. But if we if we shoot back to sort of 2010, you will find me um, working in a gym. I was a personal trainer. Uh, I was also a sales and marketing manager for the college where I did my personal training course. And when I finished school, I finished with no grades. I was terrible at school. But I loved business and I always wanted to work for myself. I always hated working for anyone else. I absolutely hate being told what to do. Still to this day, ask anyone who's told me what to do. And it's just something part of my personality. I like being my own boss. I like creating my own day, my own path. Um, So I finished school with no grades, but I wanted to be my own boss and run my own business. Very hard to do if you have no grades from school. So the only job I could get where I was my own boss was a personal trainer. I could do a six-week online course and I I was off and away. So that's what I did. But I found out quite quickly the challenge of trading your time for money. You know, if anyone's been a hairdresser, barber, personal trainer, masseuse, these sorts of things, as soon as you start trading your own time for money, seeing one customer at a time, I call it the slow boat to China. You're never going to become a millionaire, billionaire doing that. You need to find ways of working, making money work for you. So I became a sales and marketing manager. And that's where I started. I was working for the college um, as sales and marketing manager. They had a great online portal which you could upload any course, educational course, and study it from anywhere in Australia because Australia is such a vast country. People used to drive like six, seven hours to go to school. Um, and this this system allowed you to study online from anywhere, but they were getting no sales because no one had heard of the platform. So mm-hmm. this is where I taught myself how to build websites, doing SEO, PPC. And, you know, when you find the right career, it's a lot like finding the right girlfriend, boyfriend, partner, you just get it. You just know the penny drops and it doesn't feel like working. You're really good at it. And that's what happened for me. I absolutely loved PPC and SEO and I was really good at it. I got the college ranking number one on Google for the keyword personal training course. And we went from $2,000 in sales to $240,000 a month in sales. And I was like, this is this stuff's going to change businesses. This was right at the start of Google Ads, and I got it. I was like, this is going to be a game changer, and I want to be on the inside. And that's kind of how I found my future career. But I was living over in Australia. I was working as a personal trainer. I had absolutely no money. I was as flat broke as a pancake. And, uh, and then once I found the digital marketing stuff, I decided to do a backpacking around the world experience 
which dropped me off in England 12 months later with, as you say, absolutely no money in my pocket, but knowing what I wanted to do for a career. It sounds like you got pretty hooked on that. Um, you know, you were saying earlier about, you know, how fast things change and entrepreneurs talk about imposter syndrome. And I think it's when you're in that fast scaling, you know, uh, business, you know, where it's just rapidly changing all the time and you, you get hooked on making a change and you see the impact. Like if you're working in big corporate organisations, you never get to see that. But um, digital marketing almost was giving you that same you know, where you were you were making some changes online and then you were seeing, you know, the revenue impact. Do you think that's Definitely. where that came Definitely. from? That well, listen, if, if you become a lawyer today, let's say you, you quit your amazing number one podcast here <laughs> and you become a, uh, a lawyer, you might read the law and become a very top uh, barrister in this country. Now, the law changes slightly every sort of maybe few years at best, but pretty much over the course mm. of the last 100 years, the law is the law. With digital marketing, digital advertising, online advertising, it changes hourly. And not only does it change hourly, little changes that you do in a landing page, in an ad, in a keyword, in a bid, can impact a company's turnover by hundreds of thousands of pounds. And, it, and it's it's the challenge of it's one of the first jobs one of the first careers i found that it, there's just so much happening this you know to be good at this job you have to be pretty special because you know you've got to understand how websites work what to say how to make ads look it's it's really challenging and and you can really change your life in terms of um, uh, business finance, but also personal wealth. If you get it right, you can really make a lot of money in this game. And, and consequently, if you don't get it right, you can lose a lot of money. And it was that kind of, it was just the impact it could make that really stuck with me and, and how challenging it was. And, and and also when you see some of the things I've seen over the course of doing this for sort of nine, 10 years, when I've got it right for a business and it's really, really changed their business, you know, they've gone from, say, a million pound turnover to a hundred million pound turnover, there's just a source of pride. You know, some people have called me, you know, saying that their business has changed and their lives have changed because of the marketing that we've done. That's unbelievable. And as a young kid that is dyslexic and didn't finish with any school, with any grades and all of that sort of stuff, to be able to give that gift to people's businesses for me is as good as being a doctor or a lawyer or any of the things I wasn't smart enough to do. Sounds like there's a bit of an emotional investment there as well, not just the commercial one. Oh, def definitely. And because and people ask me all the time, if, if I sold Climb Online tomorrow, what would I do? And I don't have an answer to that. Uh, my... I get a bit of a sick feeling and think, well, I'd probably come back in and ask you if I could work here, um, <laughs> which probably tells me, yeah, I'll just hang around like you know, the here. homeless guy in the hallway. <laughs> like, why is that guy that we bought the business off still here? Because I love it. And, you know, yeah. and the truth is, is, is people do a lot of things for money, which is, which is fine. Money's really important. It, it is. No matter what people say, you need mm -hmm. money to do stuff. You need money to survive and live. So there's a baseline of money that really important in life but let me tell you once you go over a certain amount of earnings you don't need any more money so it becomes what are you passionate about what are you enjoying yeah. what's going to challenge you and and I've never understood people that are sitting at their desk at work and looking at the clock waiting for it to hit five o'clock 
why would you do that? I, I just, I cannot, that does not register in my mind because I just wouldn't do it. I would do something else. You, you, we're not here for a long experience. You want to make it the best one possible. So do something that you enjoy because then you'll make the money and it goes a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, a very good friend of mine, he's sadly no longer with us, said uh, to me a few years ago, we're here for a good time, not for a long time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she had a great time. Um, <laughs> now, we talked about challenges um, and it sounds like the ever-shifting sands of digital marketing and how to stay on top of all of these div- different streams is one for Climb Online. But is that the toughest challenge in the business, Mark? Like, what's the biggest things that you've faced um, you know, what have those obstacles looked like and how did you overcome them? Well, I think in any business, the most important thing is getting the right team within your business and surrounding yourself, whether you're the owner, the entrepreneur, you can't do it alone. And that was one of the first realizations that was probably the hardest. When I started my business, I started it as most business people do, entrepreneurs do, in my bedroom. Next to my bed, I had a desk. I built a desk next to my bed and I used to get up every morning and put a collared shirt on so I felt like it was work time. And this was before coronavirus and working at home was not a thing. Um, And I worked my way up from my bedroom on my own to a team of people. And then when you start on your own, you do everything yourself. You write all the emails, you do all the invoices, you see all the customers. So giving up control is really hard and there's this moment where you realize if you ever want what we call a proper business uh, not a one man not a bedroom dj where you actually have a team of people you need to trust others to do their job and do it effectively and that was really challenging at the outset the next challenge was the people you choose having the right people in your team is so essential i think some of the biggest challenges as i look back over the last 10 years where things went wrong It was always tied back to a bad person, never a bad system, never, you know, the wrong idea. It was always I tried to be cheap, hire a person on the low salary or keep someone around who I knew wasn't the right employee or person to have in my circle. And it didn't work. And if you speak to some of the great entrepreneurs, if you look at some of the greatest products and companies in the world, behind it is a great team of people. And um, I think if. If I could go back and tell myself anything, it would be not to skimp on making sure I have the best people because A players attract other A players. It's just like when you get a great client, you win a big, well-known client and it attracts lots of other big, well-known clients. Success breeds success and that's so important when you build a team um, of people around you and, and I didn't understand that until really recently. Um, and it's hard. It is hard at that point of you know, at that moment of time, and you're only making the best decisions that you can with the information that you have and the money that you have. Well, that's um, right. You know, so, you know, uh, yeah, I think it's that, you know, always thinking about the best, trying to go for the best that you can. Um, Definitely. So and and money's the, a problem. <laughs> not having the problem. right amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that is what sort of spurs, spurs that growth. Um, so those are some of the challenges. Um, what about highlights? You know, we obviously know about the highlight of 2014, but what about over the course of your business? And I'm, I'm talking about the earlier stuff whenever you were in, you know, uh, in your DJ business, in your, in your back bedroom. Like, there, are, there are stepping stones and milestones, right? Yeah, yeah, you're quite right. And I think, you know, 
the first time I quit my job, I was working as, as an employee in a job and I went out and started my own business. That till today is still the most scary decision I've ever made in business. That's the biggest decision is I'm going to go from being a comfortable employee getting paid a, you know, a mediocre salary, but one that I know is going to come in, I'm reliable to come in to not knowing if I'm going to ever have money again. That was the hardest decision I ever made. So my biggest win was going off and starting my own business. And in the first year, I made a £17,000 profit. So that meant my salary was about £17,000 for that year. Now, that mm -hmm. sounds abysmal, but to me, that might have well been a million pounds because it wasn't my business going broke. I think we, we made... Uh, it was about a £77,000 turnover and a £17,000 profit. I remember it like it was yesterday. Just looking at that P&L made me fill with so much pride because I quit my job and I always said I was a business person and an entrepreneur in my first year, I didn't go broke. And, you know, those numbers are horrendously small to what I do now, but they may as well be the same because I'm the, the pride of surviving was brilliant off my own back and this was before apprentice none of this stuff it was just me going out and doing it and that was pretty cool uh, other other things is you know awards and and all these things are great you know I got listed on Forbes 30 under 30 that meant the world to me because sometimes you're in your lane and you're working so hard you're not sure if you're successful just in your space or just in your town or you know your industry whatever and to be listed on Forbes gave me global recognition from where I am for my age which was really cool obviously winning the apprentice was was a great one as well and and uh, entrepreneur of the year in 2018 in the UK all these things are great um, but as I said it, it comes back to tying back to I found something that I love doing and I've surrounded myself with a great team and then you know, when I win all these awards and stuff, people attribute it back to me. But I was just really good at finding other people to work with that, that, that are incredibly gifted individuals. Does it give you pause to reflect at those moments? You know, you were talking about sort of working in your lane, which we all do. And that's one of the you know common things that entrepreneurs do is that you get your head down working in the business and then you don't put your head up enough to kind of pause. Did those moments give you time to pause? No, I've never really reflected still on any of it. Um, and, you know, when I do these podcasts and stuff, you think back and you see all the, the, the awards and stuff, but I don't know. I think would I be happy when I go back, if I was a kid and told myself where I am now, I think I would be really happy in the moment. The problem is, is there's people still ahead of me. So you get in this game of, of focusing on being the best, being number one, and there's always someone out there that's just kind of ahead of you. And uh, and my goal has constantly been, I want to be the best, and I want to be the best entrepreneur. I'm not interested in being number 10. I'm not interested in being this. And it is my obsession with being the best digital marketing agency, the best entrepreneur, the number one, which people say it's not healthy, but I don't think it's possible to be the best if that isn't your ambition. You have to want to strive for perfection. You want to have to strive to be the head of your competition because someone out there will be. And uh, for me, it's a constant, and I, it's not unhealthy because I'm enjoying it. I enjoy what I'm doing and I'm doing it in a great way. Um, so I think, you know, for me, it's about focusing on the future and focusing on what we're going to do. I, I, was, I was having a pay review with one of my employees today and I said to him, 
I don't pay you for what you've done in the past. I've already paid you for that. This salary increases for what you're going to do in the future. I'm paying you for what you're about to produce for me. And I think the same way as an entrepreneur is I've always got one eye on what I'm about to do, not what I have achieved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that forward-looking um, approach that you need to take. Um, one of the things you just said there, Mark, which I think is the kind of the nuanced difference between, you know, that striving to be number one um, is that you're doing it in the right way and it's not at all costs because at all costs comes at personal cost for people, in, uh, yourself included. If you're enjoying the podcast, simply hit the like and subscribe button on your favourite podcast platform. If you have the time, leave us a review. You can do that really easily by going to ratemypodcast.com forward slash fast forward. Now, um, Lord Sugar, he was involved at the start. He was your he was your partner um, when you launched the business. Is he still involved? How do you guys get on? <laughs> yeah, uh, he's he's uh, Mr. Lord Alan Sugar, Sir Lord Alan Sugar. A lot of lot of names. Uh, <laughs> he is still fifty percent partner in my business um, and uh, it has been just like the roller coaster of business uh, having a tough mentor uh, and business partner like Lord Sugar is by no means an easy feat because boy does he not let the truth get in the way of his feedback um, we have some pretty fire and brimstone board meetings phone calls emails he was very hands-on at the start of the business. In the last few years, he's completely left me to my own devices to run it in the best way that I see fit to make the company produce and be profitable. Um, but he is a tough cookie. He is a very tough business partner. As I said, still owns 50%. I still see him for one day a month for my for my board meeting. And, uh, and I, it's just been a really interesting experience because successful people have been there done that and bought the t-shirt and uh they don't need you in their life if you're gonna not listen if you're not going to uh produce what the results that they think you're capable of they will get you out of there and i think out of the 13 or 12 apprentice winners there's only five of us left with lord sugar i think it's something like that and it's because he just doesn't waste his time um, if you if you are not doing what you're capable of, he'll just move you on because he doesn't want to waste and he's not in the habit of wasting his time. Mm. And I must say I've learned a lot from him and it's not the things that he said to me so much but more just watching the way he works, how he interacts, how he manages his time, his work ethic. Um, I've learned more from being around him and working near him be it then from direct mentoring, say, but um, I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity and, and the stuff that, that he's provided me. It's almost like an osmosis relationship, absorbing everything that's going on around you. That, and I think that's what a good mentor is, is almost someone who leads by example and you kind of learn by just being around them and just, just seeing it for yourself. Yeah. Um, now, let's talk about uh, Climb Online's uh, growth because um, you did consider some regional expansion a couple of years ago and had earmarked Manchester, where we're based yes. now, um, as a possible office opening. But you rethought that approach to growing the business. Um, can we talk about what initially attracted you to the city and then why the rethink? And I suppose now, again, with the overlay of through the lens of COVID, you know how that all looks. 
Well, we did it. So we opened an office in Manchester. We opened an office in Bristol. Uh, we had our London office. We went full steam ahead um, because we started getting some... The reason we did it is we were struggling and fighting the talent pool of Google, Amazon, um, Facebook, all in London. So we, you would get um, a Facebook engineer, for example, who had the option of going and working at Facebook, at, at Amazon, or at Climb Online. And the salary competition was insane um, for probably what we couldn't make returns on because companies like Amazon and, and Facebook and Google can make losses on, on, on high salaries because the overarching business is so profitable. As a startup, you can't do that. You, ne you need to be much more um, creative in the ways you attract people to your business. So we opened up uh, Bristol and Manchester based on their tech uh, backgrounds. You know, Manchester particularly is known for being a bit of a tech hub um, of, of the UK. You've got Media City and, and the like where you've got great people coming out of university that are interested in marketing, interested in digital advertising. We don't have to pay the same salaries, but we get the same or if not a better employee for a lower salary who isn't gonna, we're not gonna compete to the really big companies. So we went up there, we also attracted some great clients from, from both areas, Bristol and Manchester. We opened those offices. What we found uh, was in a B2B service-based business like we are, uh, companies because of things like Teams and Zoom and Skype, and now it's even just gone mental with, um, with <laughs> coronavirus, People started, and this is going back two years ago, mm. not wanting as much the human touch of the face-to-face -face meetings. We thought by having an office in Manchester, the Manchester businesses would say, fantastic, we can come in to you for meetings, you can come in for us. And we found that the Manchester team were doing all their meetings on, on Zoom, on the phone, and we had an office up there which we're paying rent on. Um, so we offered all our Manchester and Bristol staff jobs here in the London office and we decided to open New York and Sydney rather and have one hub per country rather than multiple local hubs per, um, per region because now with technology it makes more sense to just do Zoom calls, do things like we're doing now. Uh, people aren't so bothered about which street you're on. No. Um, I definitely think there's been a massive sea change to that. And I think ironically now in the world of COVID that that actually still then empowers the talent opportunity because although people can work for Climb Online in London, they don't actually have to be based there. Correct. Yeah, and that, it's, it's opened up a whole different pool of talent, you know, countrywide. So that's one of the lessons that I think maybe business leaders have learned during this pandemic is that the the talent pipeline is now, you know, no, no longer geographically bound. Um, what are all, some of the other lessons do you think that um, business leaders have learned, you know, from the challenges that COVID specifically has presented to us? God almighty, I could write a book <laughs> on the lessons I've learned in the last six months. It has been one of the most challenging um, experiences of my career. I'd say the most. Uh, March and April were just very difficult um, in terms of running a business and learning each day, guiding your employees and your management through a situation where you really had no idea what was happening. I don't think anyone did. The government was giving you know pretty contradictory advice making you close your business. 
your customers are scared, your employees are scared, you're scared yourself, and you're trying to run your business through a health pandemic where you can't really trade as normal. And it was really challenging. It, it, it was really challenging. And at times we thought, God, this could be bad for the business. And there was months and days where we thought this is really bad for the business. And we did lose a lot of business early on. And then, but we just kept at it. We didn't over furlough our employees. We didn't lay loads of people off. We just stuck at it. We stayed open. We kept trading. We kept looking for new industries that weren't affected. We kept looking for new customers who wanted to do business. And there was two types of business owners, two types of businesses, people who sat back to wait for this thing to be over. And as we know, it's still not, probably not for a long time. And there was people who just got on with it, who just found a way through. And, and by hook or crook, I dragged the ship forward. I pushed, <laughs> I had the whip on to everyone. I was like, come on, we can do it. We're, we're not like other businesses. We're the best. And if you want to be the best, you, you show that, you shine through in times of difficulty. And Google and Facebook have reported that in our set of uh, agencies in the UK, we have outsold everyone of our size agency in the UK for the last six months. So we've activated more accounts than any other agency in the COVID period. And it was just more of a mindset thing than anything else, other than good management and this, it was just me meeting with my people regularly and really pushing them to focus back on the goals of why, we, why we're doing what we're doing because there was so much distraction. And I think the main lessons for me were you were capable as a business person, as a person, of handling so much pressure. You, you, are re you would really be surprised how much you can handle. Yeah, it's a lot. And how much your business can handle. And, uh, and also I learned that a lot of people aren't that committed to their success in business, that the first hurdle they fell, they gave up, they closed their business, they sat back and, and uh, wanted the government's help. If you want to be successful, you don't need anyone's help. You shouldn't want anyone's help. You shouldn't expect anyone's help. You should focus on what you can do. And if any other help comes, that's so be it, fantastic. But focus on not being a victim and, and just taking advantage of the situation where other people are gonna sit back. And I think the biggest lesson for me was just how resilient me and my people were and are. Do you think that's, um, you know, that kind of moving forward approach, like perseverance, um, you know, still driving forward and that kind of mindset that you're talking about, do you think that's what stood out about the brands that have continued to successfully navigate the pandemic compared to, or are there other sort of traits that, you know, have stood out? It, it's being, it's adaption. It's being able to, to adapt. You know, if you look at any business that's gone under before COVID, um, they failed to adapt to what I do is the digital stuff. You know, a lot of people, mm -hmm. a lot of businesses, a lot of people are killed in business by these words. We've always done it this way. Saying we've always <laughs> done it this way or we've always it'll, it'll always be done this yeah. way is the wrong yeah. way of being thinking. Things change. You know, if, if you're not open to change, open to creating a website, selling your goods online, letting your people work from home, finding out how Zoom works and having your meetings on Zoom, if you just sit back and say, listen, we've always done it this way since 1970, whatever, 
no one cares because companies like Amazon are moving the bar so far forward and so high in terms of speed, customer service, connectivity. Your business, our businesses, has to be able to keep up with that because that's what consumers now expect. And uh, it's been great for some businesses because they've been able to reach new customers who are open to trying new businesses right now. And it's been catastrophic for other businesses because Mm -hmm. they didn't adapt to the change. So it's really about the mindset of the people running the company and and about being able to adapt. And then once you adapt, to continue to push forward. And, 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 you know, yes, you'll go up and down. The numbers will go up and down. But if your mindset is one of we will get through it, we will push forward and we'll adapt our products and our services to best serve our customers, you'll make it. You'll make it in the end. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we did a podcast a few weeks ago with the founders. There are a couple of guys who have a startup in Manchester and they uh, launched the Eat Out to Help Out app, which they had just did um, because they'd heard about the scheme and thought, well, well they're going to need an app for that. And some of the stuff that they did on sort of retail uh, rewards apps is what their business was. They just pivoted it and launched that. Amazing. That, uh, that is, see, that's to, so cool. That is yeah. so cool. Uh, and, and, you know, there's guys that just saw an opportunity and and did something about it and there's so many stories like that of companies that 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 just have found a different way of doing something or spotted a gap in the market and created a product quite quickly who are now making a fortune or or got better businesses a hundred times on what they had six months ago and there's still people that are completely closed up saying coronavirus ruined their business. And I'm afraid to tell you it didn't ruin your business. You didn't have a very good mindset or business at the outset if you're still closed now. And, and it's a tough message, but it's a true one. Now, um, let's move on to stress um, because we know that right now is probably one of the most stressful times that business leaders are experiencing. You've just said yourself about the sort of the amount of pressure and and resilience that you've had to dig deep and find and it's surprising as you say to find out how how much you can take but it's not necessarily sustainable to stay under that amount of pressure all the time and I think that was one of the things that happened early with you and Climb Online um, where you were putting yourself under quite a lot of pressure. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about that period and um, how did you come about recognising that it wasn't sustainable? Well it's something that it's strange for me to talk about because I'm pretty old school when it comes to you've got to outwork, you've got to outpace, you've got to be tough. Uh, but I learned the hard way. My body started giving up on me and uh, I was being ill all the time, uh, throwing up all the time. I started having fainting episodes, like I was fainting constantly. Um, and I went to the doctor and I thought I had something really seriously Uh, wrong with me Uh, and they did all these tests and stuff and he's like this is extreme stress basically Uh, and I was working so much and without giving my body time to rest and recover and applying so much mental anguish to myself that your body will find a way to to try and look after itself and for me that was very physical by like fainting and doing all of this Mm -hmm. stuff and when I started my business, my, my health, uh, we touched on like joking earlier about the gym and all of that stuff. But when I first, the first couple of years, there was very little time for being healthy, you know, eating the right foods, training, getting out for walks, runs, that, that sort of stuff. Even just going out for meals and drinks with friends and family. 
Mm-hmm. I just wasn't doing any of that. You were just constantly working, constantly putting the wrong things into your body and your, you, you, your mind and body starts giving up on you because it can only take so much of that. So I had a pretty big wake-up call in about 2017 where I was just not healthy and um, fainting and all of that sort of stuff. So it was a bit of a thing where if I want to get the most out of my business and get the most out of my sort of entrepreneurial journey, part of that is looking after myself, is fitting in times to have breaks, is making sure I look after my well-being, my health and fitness. And what I've found is right now I'm healthier than ever, but also the business, the numbers and where we are is better than ever because when you'll be surprised when you get the right amount of sleep, when you're rest enough, you go on holidays, you actually produce more. Sometimes you're so knackered and you're sitting at your laptop looking at your emails or whatever, you're actually not producing anything at all. You're just sitting there for the sake of saying that you're a really hard worker. So it's about being honest with yourself and keeping your accountability to work hard, but work really smart that you're getting in the right amount of rest and recovery and also enjoyment out of life as well because you do never know what's around the corner and you, you want to have balanced your life perfectly. When you went to the doctor and, you know, obviously you've been having all these physical um, sort of symptoms um, and you'd obviously not considered stress at all. When he told you that it was stress, were you surprised? Like, did you ever feel stressed at that point or was it just you know, the buzz or do you know what I mean? Like uh, there's times when you're stressed, stressed and you feel stressed, you did feel stressed. Yeah, I felt stressed. I, I felt horrendous. Um, and it was just so much happening all the time. Like not only the sheer hours, but the amount of pressure I had on because I was starting a business. Yes. Starting a business is, is really hard. I was also at the height of my profile. I just won a TV show So I was dealing with kind of being well-known for the first time. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was just so much happening, so much pressure. I had to do interviews, TV, radio, run the business, manage all my employees. There was just so much. And I was learning it all for the first time. I was 24 when I won The Apprentice and started um, Climb Online. That's not an old man. You know, I was a young man and I was still learning um, all of this stuff. So... Um, and I watch all of these videos and podcasts and, and look up to all these people. And all I'd heard as a young man, businessman growing up, business person was, you've got to work 150 hours a week if you want to be successful. Uh, all of this crazy stuff. Well, the reality is there's only so long you can work 100 hour weeks before you start you start not producing because you're completely burnt out. And um I had to learn all these lessons the hard way. Yeah, the era of hustle porn. It's yeah, awful, exactly. Awful yeah. Word. <laughs> oh, damn that hustle. <laughs> um, did you feel, um, you were talking at the very beginning about imposter syndrome, and did you feel it then when you were 24 and all that crazy? Because you can't, you can't go on to TV shows and, uh, you know, radio interviews and obviously all the publicity and PR that was happening around you and not put on the, you know, fake it to the, you know, nearly fake it to make it. Did you feel the imposter syndrome then at that point? Because there was so much it was more. I've, it's more than imposter syndrome. It's really hard to process it all. Mm-hmm. Um, things happen every day and you, you, your mind can process it and you understand where you are because of what you did or wh- whatever. Going on to the, the TV and once it really took took off and really, you know, the sort of, 
profile took off and you're doing all this TV mm-hmm. and interviews and business and stuff, your mind is really struggling to keep up in terms of processing where you are. And that's where it's, it's, it's kind of similar to imposter syndrome, but you're like, how the bloody hell am I in this <laughs> position? You know, you're yeah. on BBC News and then you're doing this phone-in for LBC and then you're quickly doing this and this and then it's accepting this award for Radio Times and you're like, this is just, you know, uh, six months ago I, I was living in a house share with 11 people and having yeah. spaghetti every night and now I'm doing this. And it's that was really, you know, it was crazy. It, it, it is really crazy still. You know, I have meetings with Lord Sugar and some of the stuff that's being talked about and sitting in the boardroom with the members that are in the board. It's like this is really serious stuff. This is this is big stuff and I'm just a boy from Armadale in Australia um it's yeah really cool experience actually yeah it's like, it's almost like uh i don't know if you remember the movie trading places <laughs> <Do you laughs> well i feel a bit like more like alice in wonderland where i've you know i'm down the rabbit yeah. hole still <laughs> <laughs> so switching off right it's important we all need to do it and um I suppose now in covid it's almost like we've got less opportunity to do it people are you know, those now we're all kind of home working or remotely working. There's a, there's a lack of home and work boundaries, and also on the other half, all of the places that you would have gone, the sports that you would have played, they've all stopped. You know, I'm a netball player and I haven't played netball in six months, but that would have been one of the places that I would have went. Um, I've now pivoted to golf, but um, <laughs> <laughs> not not as violent of a of a sport um but you know it, you know there's so what are the things that you do what are the things that people can do um to try and get some time to switch off well just like um running your business you need to plan these things in as rigidly this is the only way i've found to do it successfully is plan into my day exercise rests um these sort of things relaxation in as if it's a meeting and attribute the same importance to going for a bike ride, going for a run, as I do sitting at a meeting with a 100,000-pound client. When you start doing that, it really becomes a, a habit, a, a routine. And, you know, the lockdown started, and I, I did exactly that. I started putting in, I, I went to the bike shop. I've never cycled really before. I used to hate cyclists on the road. Now I'm one of them in my sexy <laughs> tight Lycra. Um, I went to the bike shop because the gym closed. I bought a bike and yeah. I just scheduled it in like a meeting. I went to go out for an hour's ride and I started feeling really good. I started like not feeling as stressed, feeling a lot more relaxed in the day, feeling a lot more happy. And I thought, geez, I feel good. What's And the only thing I was doing was getting outside more on the bike. And it's because I was getting multiple things in going outside getting some sun, which, you know, over in the Northern Hemisphere here, um, Mm -hmm. you don't get as much as I was getting in Australia, but getting outside, getting some oxygen, some sun and getting out just just to clear your head. If that's a walk, a run, you you know, playing golf, although that can be quite frustrating um, and and going for a ride, you do feel better and um, just schedule it in, make time attribute importance to it now some people have trouble working because you know that that, that maybe they're not as driven to work some people do the relaxation easy some people find relaxation really hard and boring but it is really important to have balance in life otherwise you're not going to be able to be long-term consistent at anything 
Yeah, we've talked about mindfulness on the show before. We did a series um, um, during May for um, Mental Health uh, Week. And there's, there's meditation and there's mindfulness. And I struggle with things like med- meditation. But mindfulness I can find in places like swimming or golf mm-hmm. or running because you're just thinking about techniques. So you do manage to push all those other things out of your busy, your busy mind. Um, so, you know, you can almost combine the two with exercise. Yeah, and um, the other thing is put your phone down for a bit. Uh, don't want, Even if it's not going out and swimming and running or whatever, which I highly recommend everyone does, is social media, which is the game which has given me my life and career, is incredibly deadly if you spend too long on it. And yeah. that is through... It's built on the same technologies as the addiction-based software that they put in, say, uh, gaming machines in casinos. And just sitting on your lounge, scrolling and scrolling through pictures of cars and money and girls and sport and all of this, it's much better to be out in your car playing golf, doing sport. Uh, so, <laughs> it, you know, build it, uh, just do it as a test. When Have a few hours a day where you don't have your phone. And it, one, you'll find it really hard. But two, notice how you feel once you get through that time. You feel great. Um, and, and there's not enough time without social media, without your phone connected to you where you just actually go out mm. for a walk. You just actually spend time with people. And I think a lot of the reason for mind, the need for mindfulness, if we want to call it that, is our mind is so full of stuff because we're so connected 24-7. You look down at your iWatch and WhatsApps are coming in, Skype's ringing, the phone's thing, you've got to write back to hear the emails are buzzing. There's just so much that requires your attention that you're constantly feeling a bit anxious because you've got to write back to something. You need to answer something. Something needs checked. And actually, it doesn't need checked. You can just give yourself time to just put the phone on the bench, on the charger, turn the bloody thing off. Who cares if someone can't get hold of you for five minutes and just let yourself have some time? That's an incredibly powerful thing that I don't think we're talking about enough. Yeah, no, agree. It's that I'll just reply to that email and then that's done. But then what that does is they go, oh, hey, she's she's replying to email, so I'll just send her another one. That's my big thing. I'll just reply to that. (laughs) Oh, no, wait, they've sent another one. Damn it. Exactly. And we're in this world where you spend all day replying to things but what are you actually achieving really it comes down to the bare bones of like are you creating or are you just doing admin do you know what i mean yeah yeah we can get some people to help us with that um okay we like to wrap up the podcast um with some advice and um i think you've described throughout the uh, your journey kind of that sense of you know flying the, p- the plane as you build it um, is, is something we've heard <laughs> I love recently. that saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the uh, the CTO from Oak North uh, talked to us a few weeks ago, and he was like, "That's what it feels like." And he's working <laughs> in a unicorn, so <laughs> like it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. Um, that's what it feels like if you're in a rapidly scaling business. So, um, what do you believe uh, that it takes to succeed in business, and what would you be your kind of parting sort of advice, top advice for entrepreneurs, no matter where they are in their journey? I love that analogy of building the plane when you fly it because once um, a guy said to me, he said, "Running, being an entrepreneur is a lot like riding a tiger. 
He said, everyone will see you and say, wow, that's so cool. That guy's riding a tiger. And you'll be sat on the tiger thinking, holy crap, how did I get on this tiger? <laughs> and it's so true. You know, everyone says it's so cool. You're an entrepreneur. You're a business guy. You do your own thing. And then you're constantly each day like, God, I hope I make it through today. <laughs> yeah, and not get eaten. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, you know, what it takes is focus. You really have to know where you're taking this thing. And that focus comes back to tying into having goals for yourself as a person and for the business and reviewing those regularly. Because each day, each week, you, things will call into question, why the bloody hell am I doing this? It's really hard. And if you don't know, if you forget why you're doing it, you won't do it for very long. So focus and sticking at it, being tough. You know, we don't talk about it enough, particularly in today's world. You can't say anything and it's got to be on the front of the paper and you can't say this and you can't do that and this is uh, wrong. This is why no one's making it anymore in business because it takes toughness and that's the thing that we're losing as a society is, is being able to be tough, have tough conversations, say things you're not really allowed to say. The more that you challenge the status quo and the more that you be creative and be who you are and push the boundaries, the more successful that you'll be. And the fact is society's going back the other way. So there's very few of us that are out there with their head above the parapet. So what I would say to anyone is just be yourself, be who you want to be, do what you want to do, work hard and stay focused. And if you stick at it long enough, you will make it. Lovely. Um, really nice advice to finish on. Um, for those that are listening, whether they're flying uh, half-built planes or riding around tigers, um, I hope that uh, Mark's advice and candid conversation today will give you a better night's sleep. Thanks, Mark. See you later. Thanks for having me. Standing in a tin shed. Fast Forward is a weekly interview podcast brought to you by Tech Manchester, an incubator for digital and creative startups in the Northwest. I'm your host, Patricia Keating. The podcast is produced by Sarah Belli, audio editing by Jamie Gownlop, and music by Parma Violence. If you have any questions, feel free to drop us a line at info at techmanchester.co.uk or follow us on any of our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn all under Tech Manchester.